Hey everyone, welcome to Dojo Talks. This is our uh, weekly podcast that we record live and then put up on YouTube and Spotify and all over. And um, today we are going to be doing part two of our discussion on universal training plans. Uh, a couple months ago, we were still brainstorming about our new uh, big training program and what we wanted it to look like. And so we decided to have a discussion on air about our thoughts on universal training plans and yeah, if they're even possible in the first place. And uh, now that the program has been launched. We had a month long beta and we've been into the official uh, release uh, for about a week now. We have definitely learned a lot throughout the process and uh, we decided it would be interesting to do a part two to discuss, uh, um, uh, you know, kind of like what we thought back then and maybe how we've uh, changed our, our minds uh, since then. Um, uh, before that, a couple things. First off, we got DM Hokey here uh, from the podcast. I think How's it going? first time if I, uh, uh, yeah, I think first time on talk. Oh, wow. Or really ever with you guys, I think actually, no, we must've streamed together at some point, but <laughs> you and I did for the dojo versary, but I don't think, I don't think I've ever streamed with you with, uh, Dave Jesse. Wow. That's shameful guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, DM Hokey is here, AKA Derek for anyone that doesn't know, uh, he is the guy that does pretty much all the behind the scenes work. So, uh, editing our videos, um, helping us with our, our tech, setting up, uh, chess.com stuff, running discord stuff. I mean, he's basically doing uh, a million things in the background and, uh, without him, the dojo would, um, look very, very different, <laughs> I would say. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, he's just done a ton for the, the challenge just for anyone that wasn't aware. And secondly, uh, it's May 6th, uh, as we're recording, it's Jesse's birthday. Happy 50th <laughs> to our own Jesse. Uh, he was actually birthday. featured today on chessgames.com as the, the player of the day, uh, which is very cool. So people can go, um, check that out. And, uh, it also means we were just discussing that Jesse is now qualified to play the U S senior championship one day. Oh, right. So, okay. Very, very exciting championship. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, with that, uh, let's get into the, the topic of today's show. Thank you. Last samurai for, for the raid everyone. You're, you're just in time. Um, we're going to be talking about the, the training program today and our thoughts on universal training. Uh, so David, I think this was originally your idea. So maybe you can start us off with uh, the first question. Yeah, um, absolutely. So the first question is, to what extent were we able to agree, Jesse, Kosti, and I, the three senseis, to what extent were we able to agree about the body of knowledge that every chess player must have? That was one of the first questions we had three months ago when we did the first episode. So now we can revisit it with, you know, some actual experience. Yeah. And do you mean like um, body of knowledge, uh, like just things people should know or like everything about the program? Like how often things people... to know? I think, you know, Jesse wrote this question originally three months ago, but my best recollection of it is like things to know. Right. Like, for example, does everybody need to know the Philidor position? Right. Does everybody mm -hmm. need to know? something about King's Indian opening theory, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, cause that's part of the, the universal aspect, right? If Kosti needs to know 10 different things than I need to know, 
and MD Knight needs to know 10 different things than Cartier needs to know, then, then where would you go with the, uh, with the universal training program? So is there a body of knowledge? So Jesse, what what do you think? Yeah. Do you think we agreed on this or do we Right. So the question is, is there a body of knowledge that's universal? And then just among us, can we agree on it or rather did we agree on it? And, uh, you know, interestingly, when it, when we did the, you know, before it was an abstract question, then became a practical one because then there were several instances where the three of us had to like vote. And it's cool thing about three people that we hadn't thought about in advance is then, you know, somebody loses, <laughs> somebody yeah. loses the vote. But I got to say there was no um, particular thing that I felt um, was a major compromise. Um, funnily enough on YouTube, one of the commenters was like, oh, the cool thing about the chess dojo is there's really three different philosophies to follow. And I was like, no, actually, it's surprising how much we agree. Um, uh, So I think we had some interesting knockdown drag out fights about like which books to include and where in the program, for example, Um, because simply we couldn't choose all of them and we had to put them in certain spots. So we had the vote and there were some tears, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a radical disagreement. Um, But that would have been my answer, Jesse, to the the question of like, what was the most difficult compromise? Like what was the time Um, we argued the longest or the hardest about something? I think it was the books. Yeah, which wasn't, you know, honestly, it didn't feel painful for me to, um, yeah, there was nothing especially painful. Like, I think where we definitely agreed, where it would have been painful to me, is popular pressure wanted us to make time controls faster. And if you guys had been like, yeah, it's cool to play faster chess, I would have been like, whoa, whoa, time out. (laughs) Now you're Mm -hmm. hurting me. (laughs) Right. Or if there was another one, whereas popular pressure was to allow people in very lower rating bands to do a bunch of opening work, you know, and if you guys had been like, oh yeah, the 600s need to be doing a lot of openings, I would have been like, oh wait, stop. (laughs) But I think like on points like that, we actually have just solid agreement. Yeah. Yeah, I would think on on the fundamental stuff, um, we've always kind of seen eye to eye, which is why I think Dojo kind of worked out in like in the starting months, because, I mean, we all came in with it with very different, um, you know, presumably you would think very different philosophies, but um, we kind of melded together to have this like group cohesion, you know, like the deep thinking is important and and things like, you know, chess improvement being very, very hard and, you know, like hardest things to do are the ones that are going to be most effective in the long run. I feel like we definitely yeah, agreed on the big stuff and then we would disagree on whether, you know, uh, yeah, my system should be right or not. <laughs> I think I think the channel would have really struggled if we disagreed on some other things. Like if Kostya thought that you should just play 10 hours of bullet per day or something like that. And Jesse said, you know, you need to analyze all your games in a notebook. And I said, you just need to run the computer on every game you play and then memorize what it says. Like people would have gotten whiplash from stream to stream. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There would have been conflicts a long time ago. (laughs) Um, So Derek, was there anything you noticed that, um, well, I, I guess the question, what was the hardest part of this? Do you think for you? 
um, besides teaching Jesse how to uh, use a spreadsheet and getting him and all that stuff. <laughs> um, just I, when I'll let everybody like when it came to the content, I put very little input in, obviously, because none of it is my input. I'm just trying to facilitate putting it into some kind of a useful application. Um, so and I, I would bring stuff to you. I would I would I was like in the discord maybe more. So I would hear people's concerns and voice them to you guys. And, you know, these, these are the concerns that I'm hearing and just translate translating that to you guys, just so you're aware. Um, and plenty of stuff we've taken into consideration and translate in the program and then other stuff, you know, you guys from your, from your expertise, have just put your foot down and be like, no, we're not, <laughs> we're not including rapid. We're not including blitz uh, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's been pretty simple other than just, you know, translating, translating the work over you. They, they, I'm doing the tech side of things, which is hard, but I'm not creating any of the content because you guys have been creating this content for a long time. I mean, basically your entire lives, you've been creating this content and learning how to how to teach. So I'm just translating what you guys into some kind of a means that everyone else can can read. Yeah, actually jumping off what you said there, um, I think one of the biggest. Uh, let's say, yeah, pushbacks that we had. I think by far the biggest was, was had to be the time controls, just the requirement to play classical chess. Mm-hmm. See, like nothing else was as much of a of a of a drawback uh, to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, someone yeah. asked me uh, recently. I just did Daniel uh, Lona's podcast, and he asked me if I expected it, <laughs> and I um, I. I said that I did a little bit, but not to the extent that we received it. So I don't know about you guys. Um, I want to say for me, the, the friction, the point of friction was not in our expectations and reality, but definitely um, getting people to use a new technology, especially uh, the older folks. So I, you know, here, they call me the boomer GM. I'm not actually a boomer, but you know, generation X, we're just like in a lost wasteland anyway, but the, the true boomers who, uh, some of whom are my students, I was able to like see their, their pain in like learning how to use uh, our discord server, which we use just for communications, really, really important to set up games and challenges and all this stuff. And that by far has been the most difficult um, you know, <laughs> it's been striking, you know, I get one, I mean, just the, the pain of negotiating a new technology for an older person, <laughs> I just say, you guys have seen me do it too. And Derek has like had to babysit me through so many like trials of learning new technology, but I definitely want to say like, that's been the biggest problem so far. And one of the things we've had is we have a number of people who are in the program, but are not on Discord because it's so hard for them to learn it. So I'm really having to push those people. Um, and I think that's true with any new technology. Like I think Chessable, for example, is also very hard to learn at first. You know, our very own Chess Latte had to teach me how to do it. <laughs> Without his guidance, I would have never been able to do it, you know? Um, so I think that's been the biggest point of friction and it's definitely generational. And it's interesting, our, us three too, right? We're all different generations, me being the old guy. So I have the contact and the sympathy with the older guys who are having to learn the new technology. Yeah. 
It's a multifaceted training program. People are learning, getting out of their comfort zone with chess and trying to learn how to play classical and we're getting you out of your comfort zone and making you learn Discord. And we're really pushing Discord too. We're like, we're looking for like new functionality and trying to make it uh, as seamless as possible. Um, Yeah, I've been working. Yeah, we've got a whole separate team of volunteers behind the scenes working on bots, trying to improve it, trying to make it as simple as possible for everybody. Yeah, so there's oh a bunch of people behind the scenes now even working on the Discord. Yeah, the bots are very, uh, very exciting. Can I can I bring us back for a second to the question and make sure that I got clear answers from everybody? I understand. Kostya, do you think that we got a body of knowledge as represented by the end game sparring positions, the middle games, the openings, the yeah, books. Do you feel like we say, have a body of knowledge that like is pretty close to something that not only should everybody study it, but it doesn't leave too much out? Yeah, in terms of what we came up with, I, I think we did uh, really well. Um, I mean, I I do think there is more stuff that, that can be added to it. Um, so I, I feel like... I don't know. I would say we're maybe like 85, 90% of the way there. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of how much we agreed on stuff, I would say we were pretty close. There's like maybe a few positions where, you know, I thought it should be for like 1200s and Jesse thought it should be for 1600s or something like that Mm -hmm. or vice versa. But either way, it would have still gone into what is the universal knowledge. Yeah, exactly. We both agree that this position is critical. It's just a question of um, when, when one should, should learn it. Um, so yeah, I feel like honestly the parts where we disagreed more, um, had to do, I think with like, uh, training plans and methodology, uh, in terms of like, like the time controls and, um, how often, you know, people should be, let's say, uh, doing tactics. I definitely feel like I was pushing the tactics more. And uh, Jesse in particular was like, eh, once they can do Puzzle Rush, they're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't quite say that, but okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you did add in an extra workbook of tactics for the for the lower uh, lower half of the the brackets. I think I got a couple tactics books on there. (laughs) Okay. Um, But, uh, you know, actually for me, I didn't think this was such a big deal because I, I believe that tactics and openings are things that people are going to do even if they're not on the list. It's just people like doing these things. So mm-hmm. we don't have to necessarily uh, push them to do uh, more of it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure everyone's watching like opening videos these days and I don't think we have any opening videos uh, listed on our program. Like on, Oh yeah, on, we do. Yes, we, we have do. our own. Jesse's recording videos. them. Oh, yeah, 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 we have our own. But I mean right. like we don't have like a bunch of like for each level, like, oh, watch these opening videos and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure people are doing that on their own because it's just a very natural and, and popular thing um, to do. So for me, it's not like uh, a huge deal that that's not uh, like in the in the program as it is. Yeah. Okay. I, I actually and want Jesse, to you. In. Well, I want to chime in just on that. Yeah. And the way we've got it structured, I think... Um, the way I would want people to actually follow the program is if you are obsessed with tactics and openings, as people often are, then please fulfill all the obligations 
for openings and tactics that we have in our program. But then tell yourself, please, that you are not allowed to do any more tactics and openings. It is time for you to move on, my friend, to the other things in the program. And so part of what I'm hoping is the genius of the program is that there is an end. There is a, a limit to that kind of activity. Yeah, I would say okay. I agree with Oh, sorry, David, did you want to jump No, in? it's okay. I just, I just wanted to like to make it more coherent. I wanted to get Jesse's thoughts on whether we, we got the sort of universal body of knowledge, like mm. reasonably well, like if he's, if he's satisfied that we kind of found it. I think we're doing really well. Um, and I think the things that we are adding uh, slowly are going to be really interesting and important. So for example, I think it's a big deal that we have certain opening repertoires that will be played by a, a majority of our players. That doesn't mean they all have to play our openings, but that a lot of them play the same opening will give the ability for them to have knowledge and sparring amongst each other. And then, so for example, later today, we'll do Endgame Sensei, and I'm gonna start this Rook Endgame progression thing, where the higher you go with the ratings, the, the deeper you'll have to be. I think that is something we can we're gonna add. So there are things, small things, but meaningful things that will be added. Um, but the gist of it is already there. And the gist of it really, to me, is not just the program, but the people working together to go over their games, go over classic games, uh, do the work with the end games, and all of that together as a group. Um, I'm, I'm also pretty, um, pretty satisfied with the body of knowledge we came up with. I think, you know, you can always find one or two things that aren't in there, but I'm very happy with what we did with what we did include in all the areas. Um, so next question, which we can put around to everybody, does the current state of the training program meet, exceed, or fall below the expectations that you had when, when we first started doing this? Mm. Um, okay. I'll go first. <laughs> I would mm -hmm. say it definitely has exceeded it. And in two ways, though, there's still some open questions I'll, I'll address. So my sense is that the biggest conceivable problem was that we were, you know, we were working within these rating bands. And the biggest problem for me was always, well, are we going to get enough active members in each rating band? And are they going to be civil to one another and be able to develop kind of uh, uh, competitive friendships within those cohorts? And so far, it looks both good in terms of the civility and it looks also really good in terms of just the numbers. Right. Like Kostya said in the first day, we'd get 30 and we had 100 plus. And then now he'll give us an update. But like yesterday, it was well over 200. And we need that kind of critical mass just so that people coming into the program will have sparring partners at whatever level they're in. Um, and I think going forward, the big question for me there is um, how easy is it going to be for people? to find the things that they need to do 
with the sparring and going over the games? And are the boomers going to be able to learn the discord technology or are they just going to throw up their hands in the air and say, I can't do it? Um, that's been, that's still an ongoing question, but right now it looks way better than I had hoped. And as Kostya said, we have a number of people working behind the scenes, volunteering their time to create technical fixes that will make a lot of the interactions easier. For example, yesterday we came up with a way uh, to, this was uh, Claude did this deep, deep fried or deep freed. He um, came up with a way to create a challenge directly from the discord, right? Things like from a specific fan, a specific position, things like that really make the process easier. And little things like that, little details, I think are really important to making the interaction between the people uh, easier. Yeah, I would say um, in terms of the, the response, my expectations were definitely exceeded. We're actually at, I think, uh, 275 in, in the program now. Uh, 276 which, now. 276, nice. <laughs> we just got a new one. <laughs> Shout out to number 276. Um, because, uh, well, um, yeah, I didn't think we would get this many um, early on, but it's great that we did because, yeah, the more people that are involved, uh, the better for everyone. You get to play with different players and you have more people in the community and of course uh time zones have definitely been a struggle for some folks because they live in a different time zone and you know they uh they work a normal job and so they have a very limited window that they can uh play so yeah really important to have um uh players in there i would say in terms of the actual program though like the the final product i would say honestly like it it met my expectations because there are definitely things that i think um could be improved uh, but I think we like, I mean, we we started off with a, with a great beta, and then we got a ton of feedback from that, and then I think we released a, a great program. Um, but for example, like on the um, on the tactic side, we have these puzzle rush targets, and uh, lots of folks have been asking for like an equivalent uh, Lee chest because Lee chest has like their own uh, puzzle rush that people can do that's like very similar. And personally, I just haven't used it that much, so. That's just something I think we need to do at some point is like do some research, do some leeches puzzling and uh, and figure out like equivalent targets, because to me, that's like a very uh, reasonable thing to uh, provide. Um, I think there's also well, of course, there's lots of like opening repertoires that, that we want to we want to add in. Um, and uh, but yeah, but overall, I mean, I, it's like we're one weekend. It's definitely the response has been really uh really nice and uh encouraging and um i know there's been a lot of people that have been really bummed with the with the classical time controls it is unfortunate i think that's maybe something we could uh discuss at some point um but like yeah we just feel it's so important you know obviously we want to make the program like as accessible to everyone as possible but at the same time like we want to be you know honest about what we think it takes to really improve. Yeah. I mean, people are always welcome to do part of the plan and not all of it and not improve as much. Right. But, but what our plan is going to tell them is what they should do if they really wanted to. Yeah. Improve. I think there is actually a little misconception because sometimes I hear people saying like, Oh, I can't play like this number of games uh, a year, like 30 games a year, or 60 games a year, whatever it is for their level. And it's like, that's not a, 
requirement. It's not like you, you get kicked out of the program if, if you don't play. That's just like our hardcore suggestion for what we think it takes to get to the next level. And again, yeah, if someone feels strongly like, okay, they can do everything else, but they can't get that many games in or, you know, they um, like they have like a local time control OTV that they play. Like, you know, we've been arguing like should G45 count or G60 count if it's OTB versus online. And, and right now it doesn't. But if someone goes and plays like an OTB game, like that's still very useful and like they're still going to improve from that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's not like you get booted from the program if you don't get right. <laughs> get your games in. But one of the things it does do is it gives you some really clear feedback if you follow the program for three months and you can't get to the next level and there's one thing you've just been avoiding, then, well, you know, <laughs> that's probably why, right? <laughs> you, I study 10 hours a day, but how much do you play? Oh, I haven't played any games. Well, <laughs> I and it's not just see. like, it's not like you're just avoiding one of the sections. I think we would agree that the game section is the most important one. The most important, yeah. Yeah. Right. And one of the rules of the dojo, rule one of the dojo is that if you complain about the time controls being too long, then we get to go look at your chess accounts and see how many hours you binged the last time you were playing Blitz and Bullet. That's one of the rules of the dojo. Rule number one. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's usually pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so, uh, Derek, did you have any expectations for how, how it would work and, and how, how has it, how has it met or failed to meet those? Yeah, I did. Um, like from the, from the numbers perspective, I was, I was concerned when we launched that it just wasn't gonna, we weren't going to get enough initial, uh, interest and it, I didn't think I didn't think it was going to fizzle out, but it just wouldn't be enough to really kick in and jumpstart it. So I've been very surprised and happy with the the turnout that we've gotten. So I think it's proven that people trust you guys <laughs> that you guys mm -hmm. can give the content because it it was a it's a lot more in week one than I than I would have expected or dreamed of. So that's been helpful. And then the content itself, I'm I'm happy where it is. But again, I it's it's not when we we. Some people refer to it as like a final product and that's not, and that's not what it is. It's just, it's just going to keep growing and we're going to keep adding to it and refining it. So where it is right now, I'm happy. And in a month from now, if it's the same, I'm not going to be happy because we're just going to keep growing it. So as long as it continues to keep getting better and better, because what we had three months ago <laughs> was nothing compared to what we have now. So just in the short amount of time that we've started pulling it together and really creating some kind of a functional website, it's completely changed. Um, even in the first week or since beta, it's completely changed and gotten and improved a ton. So as long as we keep that improvement, I'll, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm, 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 I would say that it's exceeded my expectations. I thought that it would be harder than this to get there, that we wouldn't like pull all the levels together by May 1st. And I, I think in the past when I've tried to do ambitious curriculum kind of plans, I've mostly worked on my own. And then this time with like all of you guys working, it was like crazy. I'm, I'm really impressed how far, uh, how far it has gone. But as Hokey said, he doesn't think it's complete. Oh, we lost oh, no. Evan. He, he froze. <laughs> He's frozen. Uh, what did I say? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're finished. So my next question to go around to everyone. Oh, wait. David, we're You're back. You froze. I froze for a moment. I'm sorry to hear that. 
Last time um, we heard was as Hokey said from you. As Hokey said. <laughs> <laughs> the suspense is killing me. What did I say? What did I say wrong? As Hokey said, the plans are not complete to his mind, right? He wants it to keep improving. So my next question comes straight from that, which is what is the number one thing that you would like to see added or what what's what's the next thing or the most important thing that you think is lacking? Mm, okay. Um, actually, I, I think I can start on this one because I've been yeah thinking about this um, all day, all week. <laughs> um, so a couple of things I mentioned um, the the tactics uh, targets for for leeches. I think that would be really appreciated because um, not everyone has like a, a premium membership to chess.com and it's it's not required to to do the program. Um, but yeah, I think that would be very much appreciated. Uh, personally, I've been working on a uh, guide to studying games, um, which I think is also crucial because for every band, we have just like a list of classic games and uh, they're not annotated. So people definitely need some guidance as to how to actually extract the most value uh, from those. Um, I've also been working on this uh, public scoreboard, as you guys know. Wait, which, one sec, Kostya, before, yeah. you, before you keep running. You want like all those games annotated? I think uh, eventually that would be beautiful. I nice. started annotating a bunch of classic games on uh, the Patreon page, even before uh, Dojo existed. And I basically got up through like Steinitz and Shigorn. <laughs> I antenna right. like 60, 70. And, and I, I was very methodical with how I chose games. Like it wasn't always the flashiest games. It was the games like I think everyone should look at this game, like if they want to... Uh, improve mm -hmm. um and then some like okay historically you know super important games as well um but yeah that's that's the ultimate dream is to just have like 500 annotated greatest games of all time from us sounds specifically good. <laughs> sounds good so the next thing you wanted to mention was the scoreboard yeah so um i think this is just more of a fun thing for um motivation but people have been mentioning that they want to be able to to track their classical games one by one and check them off, which, yeah, I mean, for some of the higher levels, you know, we're asking them to play like 75 games. So I think that's a, that's a very reasonable ask. Um, and the cool thing with uh, Google Sheets is you can also uh, link it up to your FIDE, your USCF, your chess.com, your Lee Chess ratings, and it can track your, your current rating uh, for you, which is just kind of uh, kind of fun um, and, uh, and a nice little um boost and as we've been discussing before it's um i think cool for the group if they can kind of see where everyone else is at and what everyone else has completed um in the plan so far um and hopefully hopefully if people start you know improving and gaining rating that'll be reflected in in the sheet as well because you can put in your starting rating and then your uh, your current rating um which reminds me one other thing that I think, uh, oh yeah, and like if, for example, I think the scoreboard would actually be very useful for us because if, for example, we see that everyone has blasted through the tactics requirements, you know, and then is really struggling like to do their end games or whatever, I think that's that's good feedback for us that uh, one, maybe the tactics targets are, are too easy. That's also something I think we should revisit. Um, and two, maybe there should be um, uh, maybe we should make the end game training or some part of the program more seamless if it seems like people are, are struggling with it. 
Well, let me jump in there then, because I think by far the thing that is most um, needed is that when people go to the Discord, what they get when they go to their cohort is kind of like this big running discussion that's happening, which is fun and cool. But what it's not easy to find in that whole bunch of information is people is the most important thing to my mind, which is who needs who needs to spar what, right? That's what I think is really needed to be made seamless because um, let's just, <laughs> I'll just read to you some boomer feedback I got today, okay? Uh, the Discord part of this training program is not working for me. What I really want is the curriculum. And then he goes on and said, instead, I go to this Discord dojo and there's nothing but a bunch of millennials chatting back and forth. Help me, please. <laughs> and I think it's kind of funny. Did you but write that yourself, Jesse? No, no. This is <laughs> no. This is a student of mine. He's about 72. And, mm. you know, it's difficult for him. And you're I, the only person I hear throwing the term millennials around all the time. It, it really reeked of like, uh, no, I, you know, wasn't reading me. your own. Well, no, it wasn't me. That wasn't me. But I think okay. what is very true is he he and other people go there and it's not just older guys, but you you go there and it's not it's not easy to find who needs what. Right. So, for example, one of the nice things I'm hoping with, say, the scoreboard is you'd be able to see, like, click on somebody and say, oh, they need to do X, Y and Z. And so do I. And that would be already. Uh, an opportunity to get together and do it, right? Mm -hmm. Do the sparring. And in particular, right, it needs to be more seamless with just easily going there and seeing who needs what. Because at the moment, it's just a chat, right? And and it's too hard to sift through that for anybody, whether they're a boomer or not, you know? So that part of it, where we're, we're basically matching people who need to do X with the same people who need to do it, over here, that's the most important part. It is not yet seamless because that's what people need to be doing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fair, I would say. I mean, I think on the Discord thing, like I think younger people often, they have more of a tolerance, like if they don't understand how a technology works, like I know that it's like just a quick Google or YouTube search away and then I can figure out. Like there's lots of stuff I had to learn about uh, Discord and the fix was usually just Googling, you know, Discord, how to friend request someone or Discord, how to right, right. whatever. But um, I, I do get it that it's not it's definitely not like immediately obvious. Yeah. Like once you start, what exactly you need to do? Uh, definitely something we can improve in terms of making it clear and also, um, yeah, making it easier for folks to uh, to challenge each other and, and stuff like that and, and set up games. Yeah, that's 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 one of the things that I really want to push or try to find the best solution is how is helping people schedule stuff. Um, there's been a lot of talk about what the best way to do it so that somebody could go somewhere, put in, I'm free from these hours on Friday. I want to do the, either this end game sparring position, or I'm just want a game, um, finding someplace where then other people can go and be like, click it and be like, that's me. I, I, I'll play you. And then it's exactly. set up. Um, that's I've been trying. There's solutions out there. I thought I had one but they all are pretty complicated pricing wise and you, they're like for companies. So you have to like pay per user and it's, it's pretty complicated. So I haven't found a, a simple solution that isn't just a Google spreadsheet. So I'm trying to keep it simple enough that anyone can do it, but not, 
but make it complex enough where it actually achieves the, so it's not just some, another stream of all kinds of junk that people are trying to weed through. Um, that's kind of my biggest thing that I want to try to figure out at this point from the, from like yeah. that, that, that standpoint. Um, yeah, maybe something the scoreboard can help with because there will be um, a column where people can fill in their, their time zone and availability. And so you can kind of see who's in a similar time zone with you um, and also what people have done and haven't done. So if you see they haven't done their end game yet, and, you know, then you can um, reach out to them and, and maybe uh, set that up. Right, right, exactly. I think... I've got an answer myself for this question about what's missing most I want to put in. And I think it is some more guidance on how to do the game analyses, which are a critical part of the program. Um, I got a feedback here, Jesse. Okay. That somebody wrote in. Uh-huh. And they wrote, <laughs> they wrote uh, the following. Hmm. <laughs> All right. I find Jesse's requirements on game analysis to be rather demanding. Jesse says, analyze all positions in your games completely from start to finish and find the truth for up to six positions from your game. What are your thoughts on this for me at my level? Should I be spending four hours or more analyzing each 45 minute game that I will play? Or would it be better to follow your method and spend a little less time per game in total, but go deeper on one or two positions? Okay. I didn't write that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, I mean, obviously the model games, we haven't put up model games yet. And I want to put up a model game at different levels. And I really believe that what a game analyzed by an 800 player looks like is going to be obviously different than what a game analyzed by a 1500 or a 2100 looks Mm -hmm. like. So I think we need to, I don't say need to, to make it seem like a bad thing or whatever, but I I think the most important thing that we can do is provide more guidance sort of level by level as to what does a good analyzed game look like for their level? What's like a reasonable goal for them. Um, maybe how much time to put into it on average, some kind of ballpark, some sense, because people like to, to have an idea, you know, what the goal is, what they're trying to do, how you know, have I done enough or not? Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to stress, you know, one of the things about the game analysis is it really is an art form. You're not going to get it correct right away. And your own ability to analyze your games will improve with time. Um, something that I think uh, I'm trying to do is just to review people's uh, analyses like online. Yesterday, we did one with uh, Sombrero was on and Evan Rosenberg was on. And I just kind of went over their games and talked about the kinds of things I would have wanted to see in there. Um, and I'm hoping that kind of thing is helpful. Again, I don't think that people have to do it my way immediately. My way is just maybe a way you can imagine it being the most intense or the most involved. Um, right. And you don't have to be there right away. But to see that where your growth is really going to happen is looking deeply at your decision making process. Right. Mm-hmm. And trying to search for the truth of what the position is. Without the computer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's something that we can work on sort of like clarifying and giving people like examples as they work towards that. 
you know, um, so help like a 1200 player have a realistic expectation. Right. I guess we told them where they should go. Mm-hmm. Right. And so let's give them some expectations for how, how hard to try and how far to get at, at different stages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You guys want another question? Sure. Give us a question. Let's do it. All right. What should someone do if they do everything on the list? Mm. They've got just check boxes filled with check marks everywhere. Thing of beauty. Yeah. But their rating is still a thing of last month. It hasn't gone up. Uh-huh. Or maybe it's gone up 30 points or 55 points, but they're, they're supposed to go up 100, right? What do you advise? Um, so one thing we should say, first of all, is each of the, the work involved in each step, even though we're going to add to it a little bit, but it's already pretty extreme. So the first thing I should say is most people will go up a rating band before they finish everything in that list. Um, if you haven't, if, if you finish everything and truly do the work, like I have a feeling it's, it'll be easy for some people to say to themselves, oh, I did that, but they did it kind of superficially, right? Mm-hmm. But if you really diligently did the work, first thing you have to recognize is that you are at a, a barrier then, and that's a good sign that you are at a barrier and everyone is going to hit a barrier. I've definitely, you know, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, especially for us old guys to really improve. Um, and what I really recommend then is to continue analyzing your games and then to start actually going down uh, in our requirements. There are several things when you start looking back at the different end game positions from the other lower bands, from the games to analyze from the other lower bands. All of that is there um, that can really help you get to the next level. Um, But you shouldn't think of it as a terrible, terrible thing if you're truly not able to progress. It is is truly hard. It is very difficult uh, at at a certain point. Most people aren't there. I'm gonna go ahead and say 95% of people are not at their true limit, but you, of course, everybody has a limit at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a great resource. Everyone make sure you understood that he's saying, if you find some, some part of, if, if you've done everything, you may be able to find things in the bands below you that you haven't done. Right. So, and, it, and a clue to that might be if you're having more trouble in your end games or your tactics or something like that, go back to the previous bands and look at those sections first, right? You might be on par at your level in tactics, but not know the end game algorithms from the previous two levels or, or benefit from doing the end game sparring from the previous two levels. And sorry, Kostya, I'll pass it back. Yeah, you know, that, that's a good point. I, I was going to say, I think actually that's another thing where the program could be made clearer because one of my fears um, was that uh, someone joins the program, let's say rated um, a thousand and doesn't know how to checkmate with uh, King and Rook, which we've included in an earlier band as a requirement. And so they don't even look at the lower bands. And so then they never learn how to checkmate with the King and Rook because it wasn't it wasn't listed in their in their own personal band. So I feel like we should have um, more of a clear, uh, clear uh, guideline or progression that people should make sure that 
um, they they follow. Um, in terms of the, um, sorry, just totally. What was the other question we were just discussing? <laughs> it's just what to do if you get stuck. Oh, that's right. That's right. You, that's right. Um, checked off the whole list. If done everything, you've checked the lower bands, you feel like you've done everything. Um, personally, I think you should uh, trigger uh, like a consult with, uh, with one of us where we actually go through some of your annotated games. We look at the work that you've been doing um, and then we try to offer some, some honest feedback. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, sometimes you discover that people are, you know, they they've been doing things extremely superficially or they've just been missing a critical part of the process. Um, you know, there are many things that you kind of discover, for example, when you um, have your students solve tactics in front of you and you notice like, oh, they just started, you know, calculating a line super deep and they didn't look at any Canada moves other than their first instinct or, oh, they just started doing this, this thing. And like, yeah, clearly that's not the way to do it. Um, so I would think some kind of consult with us would be the way to go. Okay, makes sense. Um, so those are both really good suggestions. Um, another thing you could do is if you have a sense of like which part you struggled with most, like it was it hardest for you to complete X or Y or Z, or did you like struggle to get the tactics score or did you score 20% in end game sparring or you scored 80% in end game sparring, but 20% in opening sparring, or, you know what I mean? Like if you've got a sense of where you were struggling compared to your cohort, you could just go and do more reps in that area would be one option. Like if it's clear enough to you where a weakness is, you can repeat, you can repeat in that area. Another option is uh, to use uh, somebody else in the training program who's a couple cohorts up and have them look at your game. So kind of like what Kostya said, as far as getting a consult, a consult with one of us, but you could also use one of the higher rated players in the program to, uh, look at a few of your games and tell you which area to do some extra work in. Yeah. That and that sense. might lead to your, your next question, David, right? which is, um, this, I'm, I shouldn't be prompting his own question, but just because they came up with a list of questions here. And that would be, uh, would you recommend combining the training program with a private coach? Um, and yeah. that one's an interesting one. And one of the things that I want to say about that, first of all, is, you know, a big part of the vision is this plus minus equal idea, right? That we have a cohort of people who are your equals, and then you have maybe someone above you who would be a coach and someone below you who you could teach. And I really think that that's all really important. And I, and I really think that once we get the cohorts figured out, which is kind of the basics of stuff. And by figured out, I really mean like make it easy for people to find uh, the things that they need to do in the sparring that then we can focus on the plus and the minus a little bit clearer. Um, and the private coach is definitely something that won't be for everyone just because it's a um, financial thing. Uh, but I would say if you're going to add anything to the program, then a private coach would be good, especially just to help you go over your games. I'm going to do that myself. I have been doing that. And um, that is a very useful thing, just so that you can see your game 
uh, after you've done your annotations through the eyes of somebody who's stronger than you. Very interesting thing. One thing I want to add is um, I don't think you should try to be doing other courses outside the training program. <laughs> Let me just clarify that. It sounds for a second like I'm being a jealous lover there, but actually the main one of the main things about the program itself is that one of the things I know, especially during COVID, is there's a bunch of chess improvers out there who are getting wildly distracted by going to a thousand different sites online and not and picking and choosing like, oh, that sounds cool or that's inspirational. I'll do that. And then I'll do this. And then not really having a coherent thing that they can be held accountable to. So the program itself is a very, you know, full throated, uh, you know, experience and going outside is actually going to dilute or confuse it. You know, that isn't to say that there's not good information or advice out there, but it will distract you from what's going on in the program. Um, but so again, the only thing I'd really recommend is a private coach and something that we're doing, right, is at least especially I will be doing is I will be going over people's game analyses on like our Twitch stream. You know, that's something I'll be doing, which is kind of like having a coach, but, you know, we'll be part of the community while we're doing it. Yeah, um, I just want to agree with you there, Jesse, because um, I think, yeah, having a coach is is very useful for me. The only drawback to having a coach is that it's just going to be much more expensive than than any other form uh, of training. Um, but but for those that, that can afford it or can find a, a cheap coach, I think they are very, very helpful. Um, and yeah, I'm totally with you on, on the courses. I mean, one of the main points of the program was that we're listing it out exactly what we think people need to do to improve. So if there's a book or a course that's because uh, we, we recommend like some chessable courses, for example, throughout the, the program. If there's something that's not in the program, not recommended, it, it, yeah, it means that we feel like it's it's not critical. And then the drawback is that you're taking time away from maybe the more important things that you could be doing. Um, and just the other day, actually, I saw a thread on Twitter where someone was like, you know, hey, guys, does anyone ever feel like, you know, they prefer doing chessable to actually playing? And uh -huh. there, there was a bunch of responses like, yeah, I do like way too much chessable. I'm a chessable addict. I really don't play enough games. I just like studying more than I like playing. I just like doing tactics. I just like doing openings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And nothing against chessable. I think it's a brilliant site. Nothing against those um, those people, I think. In general, the main thing you should be doing is, you know, kind of what you enjoy. But um, I mean, again, what's critical uh, for me to improve is like, you know, like if you only have time for one thing, you should be playing games and analyzing them. And if you have time for more things, then you should be doing calculation. If you have time for more things, then you should be, you know, studying games or studying end games or, or sparring or something like that. Um, so I do feel like there is this culture out there where people are, you know, just drilling tactics, just drilling openings. And it's kind of like the easy stuff and um, yeah, not really doing, I would say the deep growth stuff where you have to like analyze a game that you spent hours on and really, uh, you know, really reflect on your decision-making and your biases and how you approach the game and, and what kind of moves, you know, are coming to your mind uh, first rather than, than others. Um, so yeah, there is definitely a fear with that, uh, especially there's like, you know, all these other sites that offer like a slightly different chess product. And yeah, it sounds cool, but of course, I don't know, throughout history, the main way people got better was through 
uh, analyzing, you know, games and, and, and books, essentially. So I feel like there shouldn't necessarily be a, a huge need for some kind of flashy, you know, chess technology. Yeah. So um, I'll say, I think as far as like a coach, one of the things that people sometimes don't realize is that coaching could be once every two months. It doesn't have to be like the most common format is a weekly lesson, but that's random. I mean, there are people who should be working, you know, five hours a week and other people who should be working once every three months with a coach. And that if that's the case, that can make it much more affordable if you're doing it less often. And it can combine well with the fact that you already have a training plan that's doing a lot of the things for you that a coach would do. So now bringing the coach for like one or two things that the training plan won't always do for you, right? So for example, maybe some personal psychological coaching, because sometimes as a private coach, you're also sort of a bit of a chess therapist for somebody, right? And then the other part would be, um, as alluded to by Jesse, like by looking at someone's games, helping them get a sense of what their strengths and weaknesses are, because sometimes they'll, they'll get that part wrong. So a coach looking at several of your games with you can help help you figure out what's actually a strength or a weakness in your game where you are right, right there. So we only have a, a few minutes left. Actually, I'd love to ask um, DM Hokey about this topic. Cause I know uh, DM Hokey likes chessable and also, you know, plays a bit. <laughs> what's your experience with like the studying versus playing question? Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't speak up cause you, <laughs> I figured you were going to attack me because <laughs> it's not that it's not that I, um, I don't like playing and I, and I like, I, I like, studying and I like reading the books and doing chessable. Um, but I am exactly the, the epitome of the person that just jumps around to a thousand courses, a thousand books and doesn't play enough partially. And I'm afraid to say it cause Jesse will look me up and call me out that I just don't have the time to play the longer time controls, but it's just like on a, at the end of the day. And like, I'm, when I'm sitting down on the couch and we're watching TV or something like that, I, don't, I just pull, I mean, I just have my iPad out and I'm like just playing chessable. I'm not going to start a classical game. I could go upstairs, but it's just when I'm relaxing. I but that's why I haven't improved in a while. Um, I've been stuck at the same rating, and I'm I'm well aware of it. Um, and then part of perfect it is, example. Is then you're like an advertisement <laughs> <Exactly>. for us. <laughs> but I but I'm also I'm also spending all my free time working on the program. So um, any free time I do have that I'm not at work or with my kids, I basically am working on the program <laughs> or doing or editing something. Um, so I like to say I'm sacrificing my, my chess gains, uh, for the better of the dojo to help everybody out. But maybe once we get past this initial wave of getting the program kind of ironed out, I do want to take it seriously. I'll go through ways where I'm where I try to take play longer games, stop playing blitz and all that, and all that junk and try to improve and analyze my games. Cause when I do do that, I can feel, and I see Im immediate improvement. Um, it is noticeable. Um, I just, but I am one of those people that I'm just like all over the place and just need somebody like this program to tell me, stop doing that. If you actually want to do better, do this. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, actually, to be fair, we're all kind of, um, sacrificing something for our own personal chess careers to work on the dojo and, uh, the program. Cause we, you know, the, th the three of us could be just working on our chess 10 hours a day and then putting very little time into into anything else. But then obviously Dojo wouldn't uh, wouldn't work. Um, so yeah, that is actually something uh, I'm sure most uh, most like streamers and content creators um, struggle with. Uh, yeah. But uh, okay, I think um, we got to wrap it up. Unless anyone has some final final thoughts. 
Yeah, I'll take us out, Kostya. Um, thanks, everybody. Uh, we appreciate all the, the comments and feedback in, uh, in the chat as we do this, as well as over on the Discord servers for those of you who can find your way to them. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to continuing to improve this a lot. And you've heard today several of the things that we want to do going forward. So uh, I'm very happy with where it is now, but uh, it can even get a lot better. So uh, please, everybody in the comment sections and so forth, continue to give us any feedback you have other than that we should speed up the time control of the games. We will not listen to you on that. But anything else, we're very open to listening to. And uh, also go out there and invite a couple friends to the program. So grow your cohort, grow the available time zones and sparring partners and all that. And uh, we'll see you around. <laughs>